Hey guys, welcome to the Marriage Ignited Podcast. We are Adrian and Jennifer Pina, bringing practical and spiritual tools to ignite your marriage. Well, here we are, guys. Welcome to episode nine as we continue on in our series on communication. Now, in this episode, we're going to look at some roadblocks to communication that cause trouble in our marriages. We're also going to discuss ways to set a time out when things get a little heated. Um, then we're also going to talk about setting some rules from fighting fair. Did you know you can set some rules? So that's all we're going to cover in this episode, and we are excited about it. Y'all ready to go? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> So last week in our episode, we covered um, some really awesome tools for healthy communication. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check those out. We took a closer look at iMessages. iMessages were originated by Dr. Thomas Gordon, and he is a licensed, uh, he was a licensed clinical psychologist and a pioneer in teaching communication skills and conflict resolution. So we linked his organization below you guys, and they have a lot of awesome resources there as well. So this is the Gordon Training International. You can check that out at the, in the description. So today we're going to continue our series, beginning to look at 12 roadblocks that are really, really common. I mean, even as we prepared for today, we were both just learning so much. So these are really, really common roadblocks that really prevent healthy communication. And these roadblocks are also part of the teaching from Dom uh, Dr. Thomas Gordon. Yep. So I'm going to go ahead and start by just reading this quote from the Gordon Institute. And it reads as follows. When people are experiencing a problem, most of us have the tendency to jump in with help in the form of good advice from our own experience or questioning to get at the facts or reassuring to make them feel better. Even though our motivation is to help, these responses do just the opposite and become roadblocks that fail to relieve the other's upset and often make it worse. Roadblocks tend to interfere strongly with the troubled person's ability to stay centered and continue to explore and talk about his or her own perception of the problem. Simply put, roadblocks take the conversational ball out of the troubled person's hands and put it firmly into the listeners. So you guys, as we said, we have both been really, really guilty of many of these, probably almost all of these roadblocks from one point mm -hmm. at one point or another in our 15 years of marriage. So if you're listening these to these today and you're also relating to them and like, oh man, I've done that. Yeah, you're in good company, okay? Um, and some of them kind of are regular ones that trip us up. And so we want you to really listen and pay attention as you hear these. Mark down the ones that really stand out to you that you want to work on, the ones that you know already are really tripping up or used often in tripping up in your marriage. So some of these are specifically a roadblock when your spouse is trying to discuss a problem with you. That is really, really important, okay? Other times, these are perfectly fine, and actually you want to have them as part of your communication. But when you're trying to actually have a productive conversation, a healthy conversation, working through a problem, they're not helpful, okay? Yeah. And actually, they can be really harmful at times. So we're going to talk through some of them. Remember, the goal of communication is always understanding that leads to intimacy. When your spouse wants to share a problem with you, you have the opportunity to promote or block understanding from taking place. Mic okay. drop. Yeah, so good, right? So 
The first roadblock, let's go. Ordering. Ordering means giving orders or commands, aka directing or commanding. So this is one that we are very familiar with. Unfortunately, this is one that I often struggle with. I'll get overwhelmed in a moment. And instead of just saying something kind, I'm just like giving orders, especially to my dearly beloved over here. So how does it make you feel when I order you? It makes me feel like I'm a soldier or something. Stand at attention. Yes, ma'am. You know, mm. so it's uh, it doesn't make you feel good in the moment when you're kind of getting ordered around. Yeah. And also it's very demeaning and makes you feel like a little kid a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So ordering is definitely a roadblock for communication that you you want to stay out of. So the second one we want to talk about is warning, telling the consequences of an act, a.k.a. threatening or promising. The way that this looks like, and we are all guilty of this in communication, is if you don't do this, then fill in the blank. This will actually happen. Threats are never going to be productive or healthy to building communication in your marriage. Plain and simple. Doesn't really need more to be said to that. Exactly. All right. Number three is moralizing. Moralizing is telling what you should do or you shouldn't do, aka preaching, using the words shoulds and shoulds of or oughtas, you know, a lot. These terms cause guilt and communicate to your spouse that you do not trust their ability or judge their to judge to judge ideas and values for themselves. It's very, very demeaning. So I just think we should take out the shoulds and oughtas from all communication. Yeah, we don't like those. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next one is advising. Telling how to solve a problem, a.k.a. giving solutions or suggestions, or like I'd like to say, unwanted advice at times, okay? This I am totally guilty of a lot of times when it comes to this, this one and the next one. The way that this would look like in communication is, Well, what I would do is, and at first this may not seem like a roadblock, but if you're consistently advising your spouse, then you're not giving them room to learn how to problem solve or to think about the situation for themselves. You're always inserting your opinion into the matter and you can see how that would not be healthy. Definitely. All right. Number five, teaching. Teaching is trying to influence with facts, logic, information, or your own opinions, aka lecturing giving logical arguments, et cetera. Yeah, Adrian's definitely, this is one of his for sure. So it makes your spouse feel like you're seeing them as inferior. And I know we've had lots of conversations like where I'm like, I am not, you know, inferior in that in that conversation or whatever. Yeah. Subordinate or inadequate. It makes It makes your spouse feel like a subordinate or inadequate. It makes you look like you know everything. And let's be honest, guys. None of us know everything. We're all learning here, right? Nobody wants to be a know-it-all, right? Yeah, exactly. Number six is judging, making a negative judgment, aka criticizing, disagreeing, or blaming. The way that this kind of looks like is you could say something like, you have nobody to blame but yourself. I couldn't disagree with you more. It makes your spouse immediately feel defensive, inadequate, inferior, stupid, unworthy, insert whatever adjective that you can think of, uh, having a, and the Bible even talks about having a critical spirit. It almost comes across in that way, which is not very healthy in communication. All right. So number seven is praising, offering a positive evaluation or value judgment, aka agreeing or supporting. This is one of the ones that you may may think, how could that possibly be a roadblock for communication? But it totally is. Remember, we're framing this around your spouse sharing something with you that may be a problem or whatever. So 
if you say something like, oh, I think you did exactly the right thing. If your spouse is really struggling with something and you're pouring sugar on it, that's what I was telling Adrian. It reminds <laughs> me of just like pouring sugar on it, right? Mm-hmm. So if your spouse is really coming to you and talking about a problem and you're they're really struggling with something and all you're doing is pouring sugar all over it, it really devalues the struggle um, and it makes them feel like they're not being heard. So you have to just be careful with that. You know, when your spouse is coming to you, you can't just praise it all away. You have to be able to hear them and wade into the situation with them, which can be uncomfortable. I mean, none yeah. of us likes to do that, right? But like, it's so important and so healthy. That was so good. I liked that. Praise it all the way. Mm-hmm. You can't praise it all the way. Mm-hmm. That's a tweetable comment right there. <laughs> so uh, the next one is labeling. Number eight, mm-hmm. labeling. Putting someone down, making them feel foolish, name calling or ridiculing. I hate labels. Uh, Labels basically create a framework where we feel like we put this person into. And when we do that in communication, I'm going to give you a few examples of kind of catchphrases with that. You can see how this will be degrading when it comes to communication. You can label somebody by saying, oh, you men always think like, oh, you women always think like, you know, and so I don't know how that's healthy, right? And then, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Know-it-all. And those labels, they have very damaging effect on the self-image about what the person thinks about themselves when you're projecting that upon them. And so that's not going to be healthy in communication. Exactly. All right. Number eight, analyzing. So analyzing is explaining their motives, a.k.a. interpreting or diagnosing. So what your problem is, is dot, dot, dot. Okay, that's what that looks like. This tells your spouse that you think their motives are uh, what you think their motives are or why they're doing or saying something. This is usually produces a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, resistance, resentment. And it kind of is what one of the things that Adrian and I will talk about. You'll hear it over and over and over again through Marriage Ignited is that you can't tell your spouse how they feel. And this is one of those analyzing is almost doing that right. It's, It's you telling them how they should be feeling when they have the right and they are feeling whatever they're feeling and we can't control that or change that, you know? Yeah. Somehow based upon how you perceive the situation, like you're internally within them to be able to do that. Yeah. That's, that's not healthy. So analyzing is a no, no. Yep. Number 10, reassuring. Here's another one that on the surface level actually sounds like it might be a good thing, but you'll see why. Reassuring, try to make them feel better, AKA consoling, sympathizing, or supporting. The way that this can come across is saying something like, Don't worry about this, which minimizes the feeling of the person if they have worry or concern about the situation. Or look on the bright side. You ever say that before? Look on the bright side of a situation. And so what it does is it takes them out of their own feelings. And it's basically minimizing saying that, well, you know, it's okay. It's almost like patronizing, like patting them. It's okay. You'll be Mm -hmm. okay. You know, taking them out of the way that they feel, minimizing their difficulties or denying the seriousness of the way that they perceive the problem. And so this is kind of an offshoot almost of the last one where you're really trying to tell them how to feel by in an indirect way. I think we do this, guys, because we don't know what to say, right? We want that moment or that hard thing to just go away. And rather than just trying to put sugar on it, like we said earlier mm-hmm. about praising, rather than doing that, wade in. That's what we would encourage you to do. Wade yeah. in to wherever your spouse is and and just be present with them and listen and you know, I, th- I think there's a way to, in healthy communication, to affirm 
where they're at and that you're hearing them without pouring sugar on it. And so that's definitely, I think that's why that happens. You know, yeah. we, we're, it's awkward. You don't know what to say. Maybe you, you, you know, you've never been in that situation before and, and they're feeling big things and you don't know what to do, you know? And sometimes I think it's probably unintentional. You know, it's not, you're not necessarily trying to do it in that way because you're trying, it's almost, like I said, you listen to reassuring, you think that it comes across as something that would be positive. Yeah. And subconsciously, you're probably not doing it intentionally, even in that way. But you got to allow your spouse to feel the way that they feel and be able to process those feelings together with them. Yeah. It's not healthy for you to just have people stuff what they're feeling. You really do need to work through it. And that's totally biblical and godly. So all right, number 11, probing, looking for reasons or motives, aka questioning or interrogating. Oh, I hate this one. This is one that gets me <laughs> riled up every single time. Yeah. Why did you do that? Uh, those kind of questions. Okay, probing questions, ignore the feeling of your spouse that, that they're experiencing and can be inter interpreting as a lack of understanding of a, or a lack of caring. When somebody is going through something and wanting to share something with you, if you hit them with a bunch of probing questions, especially me, yo, that's never going to produce good, good things. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, it's not going <laughs> to. <laughs> All right. Last one. Number 12. Number 12 is sarcasm. So pushing aside the problem, aka with humor, diversion, withdrawal, or distraction. This is a very, very, very common diversion tactic when it comes to communication. We all know people like this. Y'all might be some people like this. I've dropped a few sarcastic comments here or there in my day. What it typically does is like when you don't want to be bothered with dealing with the situation, you use sarcasm as a defense mechanism to protect yourself and to kind of withdraw from the conversation. And often what happens in the name of being funny, you end up saying something that hurts your spouse by making a sarcastic comment. You compound interest on the conflict mm -hmm. and that way by supposedly being sarcastic or just saying, oh, I was just trying to be funny. Now you doubled the problem. And so it ends up being hurtful. But sarcasm is also a very easy way to kind of throw in passive aggressiveness. A lot of times masked under the, the concept of humor or being funny, it's like a passive aggressive dig potentially at your spouse when you're, especially when you're in the midst of conflict. And sarcasm is never going to be, if your spouse doesn't know when you're trying to be serious or when you're trying to be funny, or you're always diverting to that tactic, it is not going to be healthy for your communication going forward. So true. Yeah, so true. So guys, remember that the goal of communication is always understanding which leads to intimacy. You'll hear that over and over again during this series. When your spouse wants to share a problem with you, you have the opportunity to either promote or to block understanding from taking place. So let's quickly just review these 12 roadblocks. Okay. So number one was ordering, warning, moralizing, advising, teaching, judging, praising, labeling, analyzing, reassuring, probing, and sarcasm. And we'll make sure to link all that information in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. All right. So you guys, we've looked at in fighting fair in this, in this episode, we're looking at, we looked at the 12 roadblocks. Now we're going to move on to setting a timeout. We have all had heated arguments with our spouses from time to time. And this has been a tool for Adrian and I that has really, really helped us have more productive conflict resolution, being able to actually take a time out and then come back from that time with a greater focus. Yes. I would say that. All right. So number one is recognize your need for a timeout. Let me say this too. 
in the show notes, we have the in the description the links for Prepare and Rich. This material that we're going to share about timeout comes right from them. We love that program. We're facilitators. We would love to work with you guys on that. So number one is recognize your need for, need for a timeout. Hello, what is our body language? What is our tone? For me, it's usually volume. What is the volume of your voice? Um, that makes a huge difference in identifying your need for a timeout, okay? Are your fists clenched? Is your face red? Are you breathing fast? Are you screaming or th- do you feel like screaming or throwing something? Okay, all of those are great indicators to help you realize it might be time for a timeout. Yeah, definitely key indicators. Yeah. And this is actually a very biblical principle in the sense of kind of taking time to slow your anger a little bit. In James chapter one, verses 19 and 20, love these verses. This is how this is how it reads. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I love the slow to speak and slow to anger, but yet be quick to hear. So have a listening ear, but be slow when it comes to boiling over in that way. You know, water takes a long time to boil, right? And anger, oftentimes, sometimes it starts as a simmer. And if we could stop it when it's simmering before it gets to the boiling point, and I think if we slow down for a moment, that's very helpful to be able to do that to help divert that away from us. Well, and that's exactly what a timeout does allow. You feel yourself simmering before you boil over, take that timeout. That's what it's for. Exactly. Absolutely. So the second thing is request the timeout. So call a timeout for yourself by saying something like, I'm just too angry to talk right now. I need to take a timeout. Please give me an hour to calm down and gather my thoughts. Now in sports, we understand the concept of timeout. If you like sports at all, timeouts are only for a certain allotted amount of time. They're not indefinite. A coach can't call a timeout and say, I want a timeout till tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. And remember, you have to call the timeout for yourself. This, guys, will never, ever, ever work in your favor in conflict if you mad and you point at your spouse and say, I think you need a timeout. <laughs> that is never, ever, ever going to be helpful and work out well for you, okay? No. So you have to take it for yourself. You're realizing that you're simmering and saying that I don't want to stop boiling over, so I need to call a timeout for myself and suggest the time when you think that you'll be ready to resume. Give me an hour. You know, give me a couple hours, whatever it may be. And we love the idea of using a code word for timeout. Uh, we kind of developed this a little bit because what it helps you, especially if you're parents and you're maybe in conflict in front of your kids and you use the code word to say, let's bring it back uh, later. Or maybe even you're in public and you find yourself simmering a little bit and you could use a code word and say, OK, let's go ahead and address this later. So those are some things that you can work out to be able to request a timeout. We have some friends that, that have even like had a little hand motion, like the pull on their ear. And that's the indicator that mm-hmm. they're, they want a timeout. All right. Uh, next up, number three. So we've talked about recognizing your need for a timeout, requesting a timeout. Now, next, you're going to relax and calm down. So what does that look like for you? Take some deep breaths, slow, long, deep breaths. Take a walk, write in your journal, read, Pray, do something that will help you relax and emotional and, and, you know, recover from the emotional intensity that you're feeling. This is a really, really helpful thing just in general in life for you to figure out for yourself. I'm a little bit intense right now and I need to just calm down. What are the things that help you calm down? That's a really great thing to just be aware of in general, but especially as it relates to conflict with your spouse. 
Absolutely. The next one is remember what's important. We believe that conflict involves both parties and both parties have something that they can do better when it comes to conflict. Amen. So instead of focusing on the heart and the errors of your spouse, take a few minutes to reflect on how you contributed to the conflict because you can control your contribution in the way that you waded into the conflict. So take a moment to be able to focus on that. This is something that God really ministered to me because one time Adrian and I were in a fight and I was in the back room. We had taken a time out and I was hot. Oh my gosh, I was so mad. And I was just in my mind playing all the things that he said and did wrong instead of really taking that time to self-evaluate and realize like I had said and done plenty wrong as well in that fight. And so it was like a switch, a shift happened. And when yeah. I did that, I was able to calm down and really have a more humble heart regarding the situation. Which is so helpful then to be able to come back with a more level head, right? And you have to remember, here's kind of the baseline of this. I think that's really, really important is that you're on the same team. Going back to a sports analogy in that way, you're on the same team. So when you're in conflict, you're usually in conflict over a situation. Fight the problem, not each other. So fight the problem and not each other. Show that you have each other's back in that way. And the only way that you're going to win in conflict or win in communication as it relates to that is if you are working toward a solution together that both of you can feel good about as you address the issue. Okay, last but not least, resume the conversation. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, so we've taught this for years. You know, the Bible, God created emotions. You're going to feel emotions. They were actually created and ordained by God. But in your anger, do not sin. A timeout also affords you the opportunity to calm down before permanent damage is done. Yeah. We can't take our words back, right? And so being able to calm down before any kind of permanent damage is done. But then you have to be able to come back and have a time where you are productively going through whatever happened in that conversation. So don't let the sun go down on your anger. So this was something that was very personal for Adrian and I. We're going to talk in a few weeks about personality uh, styles and conflict. And Adrian has a personality style that withdraws in conflict. And so what would happen early in our marriage is that he would withdraw for a couple of days and never talk to me. And that was so unhealthy. He was like punishing me through that, right? Yeah, it was almost a, yeah, it was definitely another form of punishment and I could be okay with that. So I could be okay with the withdrawing, but obviously it wasn't healthy. Well, and God's word actually gives us a framework for this. So why does God, why would, because God want, understands that if you let things linger, they hurt, they hurt mm -hmm. you, okay? You have to eventually come back to the conversation and work through it. So honor your commitment to return to the issue when you're ready to have a more productive conversation, um, use the skills you've learned from a previous previous episode. So in episode seven, we taught you some skills about assertiveness and active listening. These are great tools to pull out and use at this point. Last week, we taught you about iMessages. Again, another really great tool to pull out and use. These structured skills can really help contain the intensity as you attempt to work through the conflict. So for Adrian and I, what that will look like a lot of times is we will have it. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and we'll say kind of like one of us will say, you know, are you ready to start working through it? And sometimes the, the other person says, no, I'm not ready yet. But we both have a commitment that we will work through 
that conflict before the sun goes down. Yeah, so that's at least the, the main barrier right there to, to help us exactly. as far as the framework is concerned. Yeah. So the last thing, guys, that we want to talk about is we want to talk about fighting fair. Now, I love boxing. There's something about two guys being in a ring for 12 rounds of organized, unadulterated combat and conflict. But here's the thing about boxing is it's still controlled because there are rules that govern the match. If you watch boxing on TV, you'll often hear the referee, when he brings them to the center of the ring, say, remember the instructions that I gave you in the locker room? And he says, I want a good, clean fight. And he basically says, obey my rules and my commands at all times, because he's still the one who's enforcing the rules that have already been communicated in advance to the fighters in the locker room that they signed off on and said that we are going to fight according to these standards. So even in that controlled environment where there's chaos and conflict for 12 rounds, there's still rules that govern the conflict. And here's the thing about, about fighting fair is you will be in conflict in your marriage. It's not if, it's when, okay? So that being said, if you can set some ground rules in advance, it will help to maintain order in the midst of the chaos in the conflict. And so if a boxer is not supposed to fight dirty, then please don't fight dirty with your spouse. Please. Don't be hitting below the belt. Don't be doing things that you shouldn't be doing, saying things that you shouldn't say, and doing irreparable damage uh, potentially to your, your relationship. For that matter, do not fight dirty with people that you are in relationship with and that you care about. So we're going to tell you a little bit about how to establish some rules to fight fair. All right. So as Adrian said, conflict in marriage or any relationship for that matter is inescapable. The people that we love the most know how to hurt us the most, unfortunately, right? But we believe that marriage is worth fighting for. Yes. So resolving conflict can actually bring you closer as a couple. We suggest to establish some ground rules that you both can be committed to not crossing. So here are some examples of some ground rules that we have used just to give you some ideas. But we want to just um, encourage you that ground rules are really, really personal, you guys. So you're going to sit down with, with your spouse when you're not in conflict and just put together some ground rules for your relationship. You may already have some of these that are not, not necessarily articulated, but that you, you, know, you kind of both do. And so we want you to really be intentional about this and sit down together and write down some rules. Okay, so some examples of our rules. Number one, do not bring up the past. This is one we're really passionate about, which we'll explain a lot more in a few, a couple episodes from now when we talk about forgiveness. But bringing up the past or holding the past, looming the past over your spouse is not going to be productive. Attacking the issue and not my spouse. Adrian talked about that a little bit earlier. So attacking the issue together and not your spouse. Do not call each other names. Hello. Now, nobody's perfect, okay? And sometimes things will happen or be said. But as a general rule, we have a rule that we don't call each other any kind of names. That's like cuss words. That's like any kind of names, okay? Attempt to resolve the conflict within 24 hours. So as we just shared from you, God gave us a really great framework for when we need to be resolving conflict. So this is a, a rule that we try to live by, and it's made a huge difference in our marriage. And here's just a few more. And again, guys, remember, these are personal. So use these as a jump off point for you. Take a time out when needed. So we talked already about that. Never use text, 
email, messenger, or any written means to resolve conflict. This is huge. We are so huge proponents of this. Yes. Because we've seen it do, we've had it be destructive for us and we've seen it be destructive for so many people. We are huge advocates for this. And then lastly is never use the D word. Divorce is what we call the D word, right? So we don't use that in conflict as a way to throw a jab at another person or even going back to one of the roadblocks, using it as a threat. Like saying, you know, well, if you don't do this, we're going to get divorced or whatever. We don't throw that word around because we know the magnitude of what it means. And it's not healthy to try to use that as an aggressive tactic in the midst of conflict. It's never going to be healthy. So those are just a few of our ground rules that help us to be able to fight fair. Now, this is a great tool to help you guys to be able to create intimacy, to be able to do this. Conflict, again, is certain. But investing the time and effort into creating these ground rules together communicates value in your relationship, communicates that you want to fight for your relationship, that you want to make it work, and that you desire to work toward resolution. It's true, you guys. When we actually use these rules, create them, and then use them, it really does produce tremendous intimacy in our marriage. I know for Adrian and I, if we've had a fight and we come back together after a timeout and we work through to forgiveness... Those things are hard, right? But it does produce this depth of intimacy. When we both stuck by the rules that we've agreed to together, it draws you closer and closer together. All right. So in this episode, you guys, we've talked about, we're talking about fighting fair in general. We've talked about 12 roadblocks that are really common in our communication. We looked at how to set a timeout. Then we also looked at how to set some rules for your marriage about fighting fair. These are all really great exercises that we hope are really a blessing to you and your marriage. And this week's episode, the tool that we want to leave you walking away with is to challenge you to be able to come up with some rules for fighting fair in the context of your marriage. So we gave you a number of examples that you could use as jumping off points. So maybe some of them are relevant to you, but we would challenge you to come up with at least three that you can agree upon in a time when you're not in conflict. Okay. Uh, to be able to agree upon these together. Then both of you commit to honoring those rules that you created together, and you will see the lovely intimacy that is produced by even doing that exercise because you are committing. What you're saying is you're saying, I want to fight for our relationship and I want to protect it even when we get a little heated. And so we want to do everything to bring resolution and that's going to bring tremendous intimacy into your relationship. Exactly. All right. So next week in our next episode, we are so excited to com- continue this series on communication, we will be talking about the heart of conflict. So we're going to be looking at God's word and what it says about the heart. We're also going to be looking at the many layers of conflict. There's a lot that goes on within conflict. And so we're going to be looking at really the heart of conflict. Some of those layers, we, we, you guys do not want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome episode. So look for new episodes to drop every single Tuesday, guys, at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So use this podcast to invest in your marriage. If you're watching this video on YouTube, go ahead and like the video and subscribe to the channel. We're working really hard to bring you amazing, awesome, irrelevant content to be able to invest into help in your marriage. If you're listening to this on a podcast, go ahead and like us and rate us wherever you consume your podcast. It brings great exposure to Marriage Ignited. We'd love for you to share this with your friends on social and consider tagging us, hashtag Marriage Ignited, or follow us on all those social platforms. So we're continuing our series on communication, guys, but we'd love to hear from you. What stood out to you from this episode? What was maybe convicting to you? What could you relate to? 
We'd also love to hear from you in the comments any future ideas that you have for future upcoming episodes. We're always looking for new ideas, and so we'd love to hear from you as well. You can also hit the notification bell on YouTube so that you get notified and you you don't miss an episode. I love that. It, it, it's so handy. So make sure to do that. All right, you guys, we're so excited about this series and we can't wait to be with you guys again next Tuesday. We're hoping that you have an amazing week. God bless you. God bless you guys till then.